Okay, hi everyone. Um, it's a beautiful morning here in Melbourne and I'm super excited because this podcast will be storytelling and I have stories to tell, so I'm really excited. Hi, my name is Renata and this is the Job Hunting Podcast where I share ideas to help you nail your next job and have the career that you want to have. If this is the type of content for you, you're currently on the market looking for a new job, you're keen to get a new job early next year or before the year ends, doesn't matter, just follow us. Um, and I also give tips on how to advance or change careers, um, ask for promotions and be ready for um, um, to elevate your game inside your own business, the own organization that you work at right now so you don't have to move and make that you know kind of stressful process make sure you subscribe by clicking on the um, subscribe button below or anywhere on the podcast thingy you're listening to if you are in a podcast aficionado or aficionado like me you know what to do but if you're new to this like my mom hi mom there's a button somewhere it says subscribe press it Leave me a review, please. I'd love that. And please do share this episode with someone you believe will benefit from listening. Possibly someone not in the race with you on your job hunting pursuit. <laughs> uh, the episode notes will include information on where to find me, which is basically everywhere. But I do tend to hang out more on my Facebook page, which I've just created. And hopefully by the time this podcast is up, it will have, you know, a nice little group there for us to hang out. And yes, you can find me on LinkedIn. I am a true professional. I am on LinkedIn, um, as everybody else should be, in my view. You're welcome to connect with me, but I don't discuss career transition on my LinkedIn posts. I use LinkedIn mainly for my main business, which is a, as my business, I'm a business consultant and I will keep it that way. But of course you can send me a message, connect, ask me messages, ask me, sorry, questions anywhere um, in whatever platform you choose. So let's jump into it. Um, the topic today, no opportunity should be lost when you have invested so much time and effort at applying for the role you didn't get. Let's find out how to make a lemonade of your lemon. I wrote that down. I thought, oh, I'm so clever. Uh, and then I didn't want to write anything else because, you know, I was tired. It was a long day yesterday. Okay, so I came up with three actions and beliefs that you should have when you don't get the job that you applied for and why it having applied for the jobs, um, even though you don't get it, are great opportunities anyway. So let's start with number one, and then I'll tell a few stories that will enrich the um, advice I'm about to give. So you apply for a job, you don't get it. You got to know recruiters and people in other organizations or departments and sectors if you've you know applied for an internal promotion or a, an internal job. Right. And that will expand your the, uh, your brand and your personal narrative, you know, things we've discussed in previous um, previous podcasts, but also your um, experience in talking about yourself and delivering that pitch that everybody everybody talks about and reinforcing your um, professional identity um, telling people what you want to do with your career and where you're heading. Those are very important, but the connections you make, you know, the, the network that you start building are very important as well, because it may not be the right role for you right now, that one, 
um, for whatever reason, the selection panel decided to choose somebody else. But hopefully you will have made a good impression. Remember, if you go all the way to the point of getting a call or um, then going to an interview, you've made your learning. You're on the right track. You are a good candidate. And if you didn't get to that, you can now go back to your resume, your cover letter, or whatever application they requested from you and revisit that and refine and be better next time. So apply for a role um, and and you will see that, that that should be the glass half full. So I'll give you a few examples. Um, if you decide to, um, you saw a, an opportunity and you know it's not a perfect op- opportunity. It doesn't completely match your skills and strengths, but there is a 50% um, a com- um, synergy between what you do and what the position responsibilities are asking of a candidate. And you say, you know what, I'm a candidate with potential, right? So you're coming in with potential, not uh, exact experience. And sometimes that potential to grow is something that um, the selection panel is, is looking for, especially if you're in, uh, going for an internal promotion or um, a job within the same organization. So they know your skills, they know your reputation, they know that you don't exactly match that opportunity, but you know you you might um, uh, grow with within the role, which is great for them. Um, it may they may have the opportunity to mold you into a great role and and make you a great manager, leader, coordinator, whatever role you're going into. Um, but if you are uh, not the right candidate for the role, you will have met people that may potentially come back to you with different opportunities, even when the opportunities are not advertised that they're not public yet they will call you and say there's a role coming up would you be interested in it or they may make it public but give you a call anyway because they will think of you and that happens with external recruiters and internal recruiters as well Um, I know someone who has applied for a role like that uh, very recently and the recruiter um, called them immediately to say, look, this is not, you know, the the right role for you and vice versa, but I'm very keen to meet you. Let's have a coffee. Right. So uh, my friend didn't even get an interview or a proper call, um, but the recruiter was keen to meet them because they saw that, you know, it was a good candidate, great resume, great experience, just not exactly the best fit for this role. But being a good recruiter, um, he wanted to have that candidate in in their pool of good candidates for future roles. So that was um, a good thing. This also happened to me many years ago. I received the call. I was very happy in the role that I was in. I had no intention to move the role that uh, this uh, wonderful headhunter um, was offering me wasn't really something that inspired me. It didn't bring me joy. <laughs> like, it wasn't a Marie Kondo kind of moment. But I really liked the way that she approached me and why she thought it was, you know, a good idea for me to consider it. She said all the right things on the phone. And I said, you know, this is not the right time for me. I'm happy. In fact, I remember well. I was new to this new role and it was a big role for me. And I think it wasn't even like six months into the role. And I I said to the headhunter, you know, I've just started, you know, why would you 
think I would be ready for another role. And she said something that I thought was really clever and wise. She said, if you don't think that the role you're in now is a good fit for you, it's better to leave earlier than later. Uh, And it was a good fit and I didn't leave. um, But, you know, it just that stayed with me because you don't want to dig a hole for yourself and stay into a situation that's bad for one reason or another. And um, sometimes you don't really know where you're landing. And uh, there's, you know, that stress as well of, you know, figuring out, oh, where am I? This is this is not good. Um, so she was offering me a way out and I was very grateful to her. So what happened was when when I was ready to leave the role I was in many, many years later, I she was the first person I called and I said look I don't think um, I want to renew my contract uh, it's you know months from now but I thought you should be the first one to know and I'd love to work with you and if there's anything um, popping up in the near future you know please give me a call I'd love to uh, for us to work together so those connections are invaluable make sure that you um, remember that Um Second, second reason why it's a great thing to apply for a role and it's okay not to get it. You should get connected with the um, people that interview you on LinkedIn and keep in touch regularly. That's, I think so. I, I think that that's okay. I've done that and I like it. But disclaimer here, I don't recommend my clients to connect with recruiters and headhunters on LinkedIn. I really don't. Um, if you want to keep in touch with them, um, add them to your phone contacts, make a spreadsheet of, you know, the good headhunters out there, their contact details, where they work, keep in touch with them outside of LinkedIn. Um, I, I, I think that if you all of a sudden are job hunting and all your new connections are recruiters, it sends a, a message out there that you may not want to people to know. And uh, there is no reason. They don't expect you to connect with them on LinkedIn. I don't think I've asked that before. And they said, no, no, I I actually don't recommend. Uh, One headhunter told me and I I followed her recommendation or his recommendation. I think it was a a guy. I am connected to lots of headhunters and recruiters on LinkedIn um, because I've always known that eventually I would get out of the corporate um, sector and, and do this. And I've always really enjoyed um, meeting them. And um, that that's an important network for me if I want to become an expert in job hunting, right? So I am connected with lots of them, but I don't recommend that to my clients. What I am recommending, though, is if you apply for a job um, that does not have uh, a recruiters involved, or if there are recruiters involved, but you got to a point where you've been interviewed a couple of times, all right? So I was interviewed... It was a very senior role, so I was interviewed four times for over months, um, and twice uh, it was a boardroom presentation, two boardroom presentations, and you know questions and answers and, and a, a lot of connections with uh, at the board level. That board and those individuals are still in my network, and they're very close. And I, you know, I, I actually am quite connected as well with the person who who got that role that I didn't get. And um, and that's all fine, you know? And I, I think that um, we need to get over the fact that um, uh, we didn't get the role and 
and that's a failure. It's not a failure. To get to that point is is really um, an amazing opportunity. I've in a previous podcast said, you know, if if somebody doesn't win a race, what does that mean? You know, Serena Williams doesn't win the Australian Open. Is she a loser? No, not in my eyes. She's fantastic, right? She's a great candidate for <laughs> for Roland Garros or the American Open and so on. So she will eventually win something else. So connect with those employers. They really liked you. They they worked hard to find the best fit for their organization, but it's a good connection to have and that there could be a future role for you um, in their career development and vice versa. And, and they may consider you for other opportunities. Um, okay, what else? Third, the third reason why it's okay um, to fail at a job interview, and I think this is a really important one, and, and it happened to me, so I have a great story to tell, is you are going to job interviews and you're going to become less fragile. You're becoming more resilient every time you do um, a selection process like that, start to finish. Your skills at job hunting get better. Your ability to talk about yourself and to answer questions confidently is important. But if you don't win that race, if that job wasn't for you, resilience is when you get really low and you bounce back. And to fragility is when you don't need to bounce back at all. You know, your head is up high, you receive the news and you're like, yep, okay, move on. What have I learned here? Move on. And that is where you want to be if you are job hunting for months. And some people do, depending on the sector, depending on the country or your age. It could be months until you find um, a, a new job. I know people that have been job hunting for a year and you know it has to do with their sector and their age and where they live at the moment and the opportunities around them they're you know that they have some constraints they don't want to move for example so you need to be patient and you have you need to build not just resiliency you need to be anti-fragile and i if you want to know more about anti fragility. I am yet to read the book. I have it here in front of me. It's upside down. Let me read The Black Swan. I will read this book. I really want to. I've read a lot of articles and, and research around that topic, but not the book itself. And I'll put the link on the um, on the episode notes. It's by Nassim Taleb. He's quite well-known um, management uh, researcher. Um, so I also put a list together of um, people that failed at their big job interviews. And and I think it's good for us to remember that, um, you know, politicians like Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, John McCain. What a huge job interview these guys went through, you know, regardless of your political affiliation. I'm talking about the process, right? The process is ridiculous. It's so intense and so stressful and they lost. And guess what? You know, it, it, people that love them still do. Uh, people that hate them probably hate them still as well. Um, but it, 
it's still their career is not over in terms of their ability to get other gigs, other opportunities, and even reapply for the roles if they want to, like Bernie Sanders. Um, and, you know, people like John McCain, you know, he, he was still incredibly um, influential. And so is Hillary. You know, they, they, they have opportunities still. It doesn't matter that they didn't get that the gig of being a president of the U.S., one story that I like, it's about the Australian, former Australian Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull. And I read this and I found the, um, the article and I, I'll have it in the episode notes. So for this, this podcast, I've been clever, right? So what I did is I did some research before because in the previous episodes, I did no research. And then I had to, you know, dig and, you know, search for things I had said I was going to put it on the episode notes and it was quite hard. So this time I did the other way around. I found things first. And then they are uh, easier for me to to refer to them as I speak. So why I like this. So Malcolm Turnbull is a Rhodes Scholar. So Rhodes Scholarships are very prestigious scholarships. You go to Oxford, you have to be quite young to get them. It's a very competitive process. And he failed in his first attempt at Rhodes. And what happened was, I think, let me try to remember, I think he failed in 79 and and then in 1980 they probably didn't have enough good candidates so they gave him a call and then he was a 1980 Rhodes scholar for australia and and the reason why people found out is because the archives of this library of the governor general of australia oh don't get me started it's a you know uh, commonwealth thing so the governor general's um, notes were made public and and it said quite funny things about malkin and it was in the news and it was really cute and um, well I thought it was hilarious so I'll put the the article in the episode notes so you know he failed and then he got it afterwards another one that I recently found out had a very messy career progression was Anna Wintour the you know famous Vogue editor in in the US and she seems so all-powerful and confident and you know great at her job and has been doing it for years but she was fired many times early in her career and some of her attempts at changing some of her earlier magazines that she worked for went really bad and she got fired quite a few times and she applied for roles she didn't get so I was really impressed with that and I don't think I couldn't find the reference to it I've seen it in a like a little um uh documentary somewhere on on tv I can't remember where but you know if you dig uh, on google you might find what I'm talking about and then when um I think about actors and actresses that audition over and over and over again, spend years auditioning for roles. And one that comes to my mind is Meghan Markle. Meghan Markle spent decades auditioning and getting very tiny roles here and there until she got suits. And then, you know, of course, she's now married to a prince. But <laughs> I'm just trying to, you know, think of people that I think are very inspirational uh, for different types of people that might be listening to this podcast, right? And of course, Serena Williams, who I think is a total hero and you know, sometimes, well, most times she wins, sometimes she doesn't and so many other athletes have amazing resiliency. That's why I love um, watching sports, especially individual sports like swimming, tennis. Um, I think it gives me a lot of insight on individuals like Serena that have to train super hard. And I think 
that's the same kind of um, mental um, ability that I want people in job hunting to to have and to have that confidence in yourself, but also work really hard and understand where your flaws are and your strengths, work on your strengths and focus on that and um, let people see them. Okay, so I guess that's the storytelling for today. I thought it was a bit more fun for me. I hope you enjoyed it. On the episode notes, there is a link for my document, the top 10 tips for making top 10 tips. That's not easy to to say for making job hunting less stressful and more successful. It's a very long title, but it means exactly, you know, what it says. I suppose I couldn't think of anything better. I really enjoyed it, uh, putting it together. It's on the uh, episode notes. There's a link there for you. And that's all for now. Remember to subscribe, guys, share with others and check the episode notes. And if you want to talk to me and connect with me, just DM me and send me a note. Talk to you soon. Bye.